Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome to Calvary Live. So glad that you're tuned in. And we do uh, invite you to call in. You just heard that call-in number, 303-690-3000. Got all open lines. I pray you're doing well on this day, this afternoon. If you're on Grace FM listening to Calvary Live, you're listening live today on this Monday afternoon, and we want to welcome you on this beautiful September day, and so glad that you can join us and be tuned in. I pray that you are doing well, as I've mentioned, and uh, perhaps you're in uh, your route home or picking up kids from school or uh, maybe something else that you're doing. Uh, if you have opportunity, give us a call. we got all open lines. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know what's on your heart, and that's what this show is all about, uh, to be able to have us come together through the radio and through the tablets. Um, those of you who are listening to your mobile device on the Grace FM app or perhaps on the website uh, on your computers to come together and to be able to talk about the Lord, to be able to answer questions that you have, to be able to encourage you and to pray for you. We take prayer requests here on Calvary Live, as most of you know. So an hour goes by quickly. As soon as we have calls starting to come in, we'll go to the phone lines, but all open lines right now, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley up here in northern Colorado, and uh, so blessed to be with you as always uh, as I host the show today. So give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. There is a text line that you can text in a prayer request or a question, and that is 720-336-0897. And that text line, I believe, is open 24-7 still for you to be able to text in a prayer request. And there are those at Calvary Church that will take uh, those prayer requests, respond to you. you got people that are praying for you. I think it's pretty neat. So that number is 720-336-0897. I don't know about you, but I need all the prayer I can get. And uh, and just being able to pray uh, for you and um, for each other, uh, let's do that and let's encourage one another. Um, 720-336-0897 is that dedicated text line. Be careful as you're texting. And I want to welcome also not only those in Grace FM as you're listening all along the Front Range in Colorado and up in the southern Wyoming. We're praying for you guys up in southern Wyoming. I see that a couple of large fires have broke out uh, up there in the snowy range. And, um, and uh, you know, where I like to go and spend some time up there and and uh, we're praying that uh, for the firefighters and the Cameron Peak Fire uh, in northern Colorado has also increased and beginning to make another run. And so they've evacuated areas in uh, up in the Red Feathers area. And so uh, we want to um, just be praying for those firefighters. We're praying for all those who have homes up in those areas, up in the Snowies and Medicine Bow and 
up in the Arapahoe and Roosevelt National Forest, Red Feathers, Crystal Lakes. Uh, we're praying that we get relief and, and for the firefighters. It's been a difficult, difficult uh, season for us here in Colorado and particularly in northern Colorado along the Front Range. Um, so we want to welcome all of you. Let us know uh, how it's going up there in southern Wyoming. Love to hear from you guys, 303-690-3000. Want to welcome all those who are listening, perhaps on Grace and Truth, or Truth and Hope FM on the East Coast or uh, any other Refuge uh, FM, uh, uh, listening to any other uh, Christian radio station that is broadcasting Calvary Live. As you listened, you're a week delayed on the radio program, but I also want to just uh, give you uh, a welcome and a shout out to those who are online uh, listening to your mobile devices, to the Grace FM app, and also on the website uh, on your computers. Give me a call. You can call anywhere in the uh, nation at 303-690-3000. Hey, we got a lot going on, don't we, all around us, and perhaps you want to talk about it. Uh, it seems like more and more there's just you know, uncertainty and, and uh, wondering where we're headed as a nation, where we're headed with this pandemic that's taken place. Um, all these things that we've been navigating through over the last six going into seven months. And I just want to read to you from Psalm 19 to remind you that we as Christians, that we do have certainty, and that is the Lord in his word. And I want to read that as David writes this psalm, he says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. And so the Word of God is our surety. It is truth, absolute truth given to us. And we can go to the Word of God, and we can get godly wisdom. There is a big difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. And godly wisdom is given to us through His Word. We can get comfort. We can receive instructions. It is profitable for us, as Paul writes to Timothy, for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for reproof, you know, that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I'd love to take you to the Scriptures, answer your questions any way that we can. we got all open lines right now uh, on this Monday. Let me know that you're there. Let's have a wonderful show. An hour goes by very quickly. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. And let's go ahead and pray for those firefighters that are not only in Colorado and southern Wyoming that are absolutely got to be exhausted from this long fire season that has begun in, you know, clear back in July. But we want to pray for those also out in California and Oregon as we've seen the smoke uh, filter into a lot of the western states and into Colorado and has made it difficult to even, you know, go and exercise or go for a run or go for a walk. Uh, with the scratchy throats and the itchy eyes. and uh, But we do want to pray. And Father, we just pray for those firefighters that are on the front lines as new fires have broke out up in southern Wyoming and, and also the Cameron uh, Peak Fire in Colorado as homes are being evacuated and people have lost their homes. And I, I think of all the homes lost in Oregon and in California. Uh, people have lost everything. And I just pray that you be with those on the front lines, those who are fighting 
um, the fires that uh, you uh, would just strengthen them and be with them and that you would bring relief. You bring some moisture to be able to suppress those fires. And, and Lord, we just commit it all to you and that you would save those homes, uh, people as they have permanent homes and, and summer cabins and things like that. That Lord, um, it's so devastating when a fire comes through. So we just commit it all to you for you to work, uh, for you to show yourself strong. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So continue to pray for them. We got open lines. Let's go um, to Matthew, who's in Reet Ridge on line one. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. How are you? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing doing very well. Thank you. What you got for me? Um, Lately, here last week, um, I've been having these dreams. I feel like they're from God, and because I remember them when I wake mm-hmm. up so vividly, and I usually, right. when I dream, I don't really remember what I dream, and I'm just trying to decipher if if dreams really have a meaning from how I could know for sure if that is a warning sign from God to direct me in, in my life from certain, right. these certain dreams that I feel. Um, yeah. Are from God, but then I have that doubt in my head. Am I just kind of, you know, not really, um, really not? It's really not God's dreams, and it's just, it's just a dream. Yeah. So I just have that and, question for you. how? How do you do you even decipher that, or, or have a piece right. about it? Um, right. And that, right. That's just yeah. my question. Yeah, that's a good question because I do believe that God can speak to us through dreams. Uh, we know that uh, in the Old Testament that happened, Daniel, he was one that had dreams. Joseph, in the book of Genesis, had uh, you know a dream that uh, uh, he interpreted for Pharaoh um, as um, you know Pharaoh uh, saw those you know uh, those different uh, metaphors, the cows and the sheaves and all that. Even Joseph himself had a dream that had uh, prophetic significance. Um, so we do see that God has and uh, does use dreams to speak to individuals, um, and we see it throughout the scriptures. One of the things that on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that we see when Peter stood up that he gave an explanation of what was going on, and he quotes from the book of Joel, and he says that your young man shall see visions and your old man shall dream dreams. Um, so, you know, it, it's written in the scriptures that God can use dreams to to speak uh, to individuals. What is interesting, Matthew, is uh, when you hear testimonies in the Middle East, like uh, the fastest uh, growing churches in like Iran and, and some of those uh, Islamic nations, uh, that people are having dreams, and they're having dreams of uh, the Lord, and, um, you know, they're... Uh, the Lord is speaking through dreams. You hear that testimony is quite fascinating. So the question is, does the Lord, can he speak through dreams? I believe that he can. But I don't believe that every dream is from the Lord. And so you're asking a very good question. How do you discern? Is it from the Lord or not from the Lord? And and I don't know if I have, you know, there's a, a formula, but there are some checks and balances. And that is number one, if you have a dream, as long as it uh, is uh, not contrary to what the Word of God or the heart of God is, um, then um, 
you know, perhaps it did come from the Lord. But if it contradicts God's word, if it contradicts his character, if it contradicts uh, the heart of the Lord, then it didn't come from the Lord. Second of all, um, you know, is there a peace that is given to you, like you said? And, you know, I can't answer because we can have a dream, but, you know, I'm not an interpreter of dreams. And sometimes we have a dream that maybe the Lord is speaking to us that, you know, what did it mean? And I think you have to pray through it. So uh, in a sense, I don't know. You know, I, I think the Lord can, as I see in Scripture, speak in dreams. Um, you have to run it through the Scripture because, you know, John said that we have to test the spirits to see if they are of God. Um, and we need to test it through the authority of the Word of God and then pray through it. Lord, are you trying to speak to me? And what is it that you're trying to say? And revealed to me. But I do know this, and I just want to emphasize, Matthew, you probably know this, that the main way that the Lord speaks to us is through the Word of God. And and that's something that is of certainty, as I just read those verses in the Psalms that David wrote, that the Word of God is, you know, where he really speaks to me. And, and I know that um, there's certainty in that. But the Lord can speak to us in the still, small voice of the Lord as well. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah, and, you know, the thing I appreciate about, appreciate about you, Matthew, you're being sensitive to the Lord. And um, so, so just pray through it. And, and I think that if the, it is from the Lord that he'll give you that peace. He'll press it on your heart. Um, but always check it through the Scriptures. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. All right, man. You bet, Matthew. God bless you. Thanks for calling. appreciate it. Hey, God bless you. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Perhaps you got a question. Maybe the Lord's been speaking to you through the Word or uh, perhaps pressing some things on your heart and you just need to sort it through. Just love to be able to talk to you about those things. We got a couple open lines. Uh, let me give you the text line again. It's 720 0897. So let's go to Lynn in Aurora. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Hi, Pastor Jeff. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I am calling because I wanted some clarification what the Temple Mount is, and is that the place where Jesus ascended? Yeah, the Temple Mount is the most controversial piece of real estate in the world today. So okay. you you have Jerusalem, which is the most controversial city. Then you have the Temple Mount. And the Temple Mount was that, that area where Solomon's temple stood and where the second temple stood. And okay. so it's about 35 acres. So if you've ever looked at pictures of Jerusalem, which I'm sure that you have, that mm-hmm. where you see that golden dome, um, yes. Most pictures of Jerusalem, you, you see the, the um, golden dome called the Dome of the Rock. That is a right. Muslim site. That is sitting on what is called the Temple Mount. Okay. And it is also believed that the Dome of the Rock is sitting where the first temple was, Solomon's Temple, and the yes. second temple was. That yes. is the belief. Underneath the Dome of the Rock, there's a rock where the, the uh, Muslims believe that Muhammad ascended up into heaven from that rock. They also traditionally have believed that that's where the Holy of Holies was, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant 
uh, was in the Holy of Holies on that site. So that's the, the Temple Mount area. There has been some that have suggested that the Temple Mount area was south of there, that actually what you're looking at today where the Dome of the Rock is, is where the Antonio Fortress is. I don't see any archaeological evidence whatsoever to think mm-hmm. that the Temple Mount was actually south of there. They have done a lot of digging, a lot of mm-hmm. discovery, and what they're discovering, that that was the city of David, that cool. that's where David's palace was, and it's mm-hmm. fascinating what it is that they are finding more and more every single year. So that's the Temple Mount area. So that has a lot of prophetic significance in the future because we know that a third temple is going to be built, right? Yes. In the tribulation period. So it is going to be built on the Temple Mount. And so there are those who want the temple to be rebuilt. They they got all the the furnishings and everything that is ready to go. And so there are those who say that the Dome of the Rock has to go. But here's the thing. There's a problem. It's it's a holy site, and it would start World War III. But I don't right. want to read to you something that it may be of interest, and I know this doesn't quite go with your, your question, but okay. we need to watch what's going on in Jerusalem today. We need to watch what's going on on the Temple Mount. Because yeah. John is told about the temple that will be, there will be a third temple. There isn't a temple now in Jerusalem. But he's told to measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there in Revelation chapter 11. He says, leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. So that's an interesting phrase that is there. So it seems to indicate that there's going to be a Jewish temple up on the Temple Mount area in the future, but close to it there is going to be an area that is given to the Gentiles. What does that mean? Is it a reference to the Dome of the Rock? It could be. Is it a reference to the headquarters of the Antichrist? It could be. We don't know for sure, but we do know this, that that Temple Mount area you're going to see in the news more and more, uh, particularly as we are getting closer um, to the return of the Lord. And we're going to see that there's going to be more upheaval. The Antichrist is going to confirm a covenant with Israel for seven years that's going to allow them to rebuild their temple. And even, Lynn, um, that uh, you see in the news today with the peace treaties with some of the Arab nations, that there's talk about maybe we can allow a temple to be up on the Temple Mount. It's just these are ideas or just thoughts that are just starting to circulate throughout the Middle East, very significant of the Temple Mount area. So you want to keep your eyes on the news and what's going on in Israel, what's going on in Jerusalem, and what's going on in the Temple Mount. Okay. Thank you very much for clarifying now, what, that. Yeah, one one more quick thing, Link, because you wanted to know, is that where Jesus uh, ascended? He did not ascend from the Temple Mount. He ascended to the east of there, the Mount of Olives. So right. where the Temple was... You cross the Kidron Valley to the east, and then you go up to the Mount of Olives. On the side of the Mount of Olives was the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was arrested. But on top of the mountain is where he ascended up into heaven. And in the second coming of Jesus Christ, he will come back to the Mount of Olives. He will touch down on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives, according to Zechariah, will will heave in two. And they found a fault line that runs right through the middle of the Mount of Olives. Um, so it will split in half, 
and then the Lord will establish his kingdom. So pretty interesting, very significant, the well, Temple Mount area, the Mount of Olives. What's that? The thing I understand is the splitting, the splitting. What is the, what is the significance of them splitting? When he well, when Je- the- yeah, when Jesus comes back, one of the things that you read about in the book of Ezekiel is that, that the landscape is going to change. And what's going to happen is that water is going to flow from the Temple Mount, from Mount Moriah, and it's going to flow eastward, probably through where it split into the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is going to come alive. So there's going to be a change geographically. The desert's going to bloom. The Dead Sea is going to come alive. There's going to be a river that's going to flow uh, from the, the Mount of Olives to the east and also to the west, I believe, is what Ezekiel tells us. So it speaks of a geographic um, change that's going to happen to the land when Jesus Christ comes back. Okay. Well, thank you much. I think I'm just going to do more studying on that. Very interesting. <laughs> and if you got any more questions, you give us a call, okay? Okay. Thank you. All right. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Maybe you got a question, because there's a lot going on in the Middle East, and I know that some people are asking, what what is it? Is it a fulfillment? Matter of fact, uh, we do have a couple open lines. Grab one of those open lines um, because this is a subject that we need to be paying attention to. We need to keep everything in context of what is going on. But let's go to Loretta in Kingsburg. Hi, Loretta. Hi, Pastor Jeff. How are you? Good. How are you guys down in Kingsburg? We're doing good. Just a little hot. <laughs> it is a little hot, isn't it? It is. So what you got for me? So my question is, and it's funny because you're talking a lot about the Middle East. So the the signing of the peace treaty deal that was that happened last week with President Trump and Israel. So was that any biblical prophecy for us to be aware of? Was that something that took place out of Daniel chapter nine, where there's the one person that's going to bring peace? Yeah, and it's a good question because people are are asking that. And I think that we need to always keep in mind, as you know, that we want to keep everything in context. Because when significant things happen or certain signs happen that um, that we see in the Middle East, and, and I believe that what we see with the signing of, uh, you know, with Israel, the treaty, and coming to Washington, and uh, it's interesting, isn't it, Loretta, that the press gave it no time at all. Um, they you know, downplayed it. Um, they don't understand that it is significant in that, I think, in two ways. That, number one, there is beginning to be some talk about could the Jews rebuild a temple or be able to at least go up on the Temple Mount area and pray. We know from Daniel chapter 9, this is for the sake of, of those who perhaps are not familiar with Daniel chapter 9 or Bible prophecy, that we know that that there is going to be one that will come on the scene called the Antichrist, and he's going to confirm a covenant with Israel for one week or seven years. And it seems to to um, have be a covenant that the Jews are going to be able to rebuild their temple. We do know that there's going to be a temple that is going to be rebuilt. Uh, Paul mentions it in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we just read in Revelation chapter 11 a temple being there during the time of the tribulation period 
where we know that um, John is told to measure. But the reason why we connect Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 with the temple is because he goes into that in the middle of the week he shall bring it in to sacrifice an offering. So it seems to indicate that they're going to be allowed to rebuild their temple. He's going to confirm a covenant. So what exactly does that mean? It, it, it could mean that he's going to confirm a covenant that has already been established. So I, I do not think that the, the signing of the peace treaties you know, that we saw the last week is a, you know, a fulfillment of Daniel chapter 9, because we know that it's going to be the Antichrist that's going to do that. The Antichrist is not on the scene. The Antichrist does not come on the scene until that final week, Daniel's 70th week. And that is called the tribulation period that begins in Daniel chapter 6 and goes through chapter 19 that ends with the second coming of Jesus Christ. But in that, it could be significant that it's going to lead somehow to the one who will come on the scene and confirm that covenant with Israel for one week. We don't know. We're going to see. But, you know, we see the rumblings. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things come to pass, look up and rejoice for your redemption draws near. And I also want to pass along to the Christians, um, because there's a lot of talk about the Antichrist. Is this a fulfillment of, you know, Daniel chapter 9? Is the, you know, vaccine that we're going to get for COVID, you know, if they put a chip, is it going to be associated with the Antichrist? We as Christians, we are not to look for the Antichrist. We're to be looking for Jesus Christ. That's all going to happen in the tribulation period. So we need to keep it all in context and, and to remember that we may not see the temple being built. Um, we see actually the beginnings of it with the Temple Institute getting all the furnishings and ready to go. But all these things are setting the stage to where the Antichrist is going to come along and confirm that covenant. Well, I sit there and I stop and think to myself, with everything that's taking place right now, because of covid with all these countries that are needing that financial help now, that financial aid, that it's like, isn't he the one that's going to bring that aid to all of them? Well, the the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, and um, as you study the book of Daniel, and I think the book of Daniel is a real key to studying about the mm-hmm. Antichrist, uh, um, because he's going to come out of that confederation of ten kings, out of this revived Roman Empire, He's going to be a world leader. He will, number one, be an economic leader. We know that because in the tribulation period, you will not be able to buy or sell without taking the mark of the beast. So he's an economic leader. He's a political leader. He's a military leader. And he's a religious leader. He's all four, like the world has never seen before. And so he is going to seem to have the answers. And Daniel has a key in telling us over and over again that he speaks blasphemous things towards God. But when the world listens to it, the world's going to say, this guy's a genius. This guy's a great orator. He speaks great things. Um, he's going to seem to have the answer. And the term antichrist doesn't just mean against Christ. It does mean that. But it also has the meaning of instead of Christ. So he's going to come on and be like a mis- a messianic figure that has the answers to the world's problems to bring peace to the Middle East, to Israel. And in Daniel, uh, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, the first seal that's opened up is the rider on the white horse. That's the Antichrist. 
and it says that he comes with the bow, but he doesn't have an arrow. That means he's coming by peaceful means because, you know, he doesn't have an arrow. He just has a bow. So he's going to be charismatic. He's going to be popular. The world's going to turn to him, marvel at the beast, Revelation says, and they'll begin to worship the beast, and that's where he will come along, and he will command the world to worship him. Okay. I've done the book of uh, two Bible studies on the book of Daniel, and I feel like there's still a lot I need to learn. There is, continually. But keep learning, and give us a call if you got a question. Hey, Thank you so we got, much. You bet, Loretta. You guys take care. Hey, we got, uh, I believe, a couple open lines. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. We're going to go to breaks, so the only break of the show. We'll be right back. Stay tuned to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. I want to welcome you back as we are into the second half of the show today. You just heard those two numbers that you can call in, be a part of the show, 303-690-3000, or you can text me a question or a prayer request at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Just to remind you that that text line is open twenty four seven for you to be able to text in a prayer request, and um, there are going to be people that are going to be praying for you, and that's so important, especially in the season that we're in and the difficulties that we've gone through, and um, and navigating through these tough times. That we're praying for one another, and that we're encouraging one another, and that's what this show is all about. Uh, I do want to give a quick announcement here at Calvary Greeley in Northern Colorado that we are doing uh, services on Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. We're going through Matthew's Gospel, so you can register for the services on our website, calvarychapelgreeley.org. That's calvarychapelgreeley.org. It's been so wonderful. You know, we've been meeting since May, and we were doing it outside for the summer. Now we've come back inside and uh, we just, uh, what a blessing it is to be able to gather together, to be able to worship the Lord, study His Word, and um, it is so needed today. So 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock, check out all the things that are taking place here at the church at calvarychapelgreeley.org, and uh, we'd love to see you, love to meet with you, and uh, encourage you in any way that we can serve you and your family. We have children's ministry that is available at all three services. We have uh, youth that meet during the week uh, and Sunday mornings. We have middle schoolers that meet. Check out all the scheduling. We need to have our kids in church. We need to have our kids uh, being taught the Word of God more than ever. We ourselves as parents need to be equipped, and we need to be blessed. So we need to be together, and uh, and especially in the day in which we are in. So I want to encourage you. Um, in that, and love to see you up here in Northern Colorado. Well, we uh, have the phone lines that we are going to. Let's go to Jonathan in Pennsylvania, Elizabeth Town. Hi, Jonathan. Jonathan, you there? Okay, Jonathan. I wish you were there because. Um, I, I want to pray for Jonathan because he had a few discouraging days in youth ministry lately. And and I do want to take the time because 
Um, I know that those who are involved in youth ministry, that it can be very challenging right now. And I just want to say this, that our youth are really going through a, a difficult season. Um, they feel more isolated than ever before. They feel more discouraged than ever before. Um, they feel more hopeless than ever before. And I'm sure that most churches are dealing with that and seeing that with their youth. And that's why it's so important that we need to be praying for them and loving them and giving them the truth of God's Word to have a place for them to come where they they have the peace of the Lord, they're welcomed. Um, because I tell you what, Satan is having a heyday on our youth. And so it can be discouraging. And Jonathan, if you're listening or if you're going to listen next week to this on the radio, I want you to just know that God desires to use you and God desires to use all of us to minister to our young people and, and because they're being discouraged. Um, and, and it can be discouraging uh, when we have the ministry that has taken place towards our youth and to our children. But don't give up. Keep going and keep fighting the good fight and, and just ministering and loving to those that God gives to you. So, Lord, I just want to pray for Jonathan. I just pray as he's been discouraged, he wasn't able to hold on to the line. Um, and uh, we know that you know every details what he's discouraged about, what he's going through. I thank you that he's willing to minister to the youth because they need it. They need people that are going to be there to love them and give them truth and to serve them, uh, give him discernment, give him wisdom. And uh, I know that the enemy wants him to quit. He wants all of us to quit ministering to people and to our young people. But Lord, we need to um, to endure. We need to be there for them and help Jonathan in that. Give him wisdom, give him direction in everything. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. we got an open line. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. So blessed to be with you. We've had a great show. We've got plenty of time for you to be able to call in a question or a prayer request. The text line is 720-336-0897. And so grab that open line that is there. Meanwhile, let's go to Deborah, who's in Denver. Hi, Deborah. Hello, this is Deborah. Um, hello, Pastor. How are, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Well, I'm glad I finally got a chance to get it. I've been on hold several different times, and <laughs> but I didn't give up. <laughs> Good. Over I'm glad you did. The last couple of weeks, it's just a yeah. very, um, very uh, popular um, line. My question is, n- now, right now, today... When if someone died and they lived a really good life and they believed in in God and they believed in Jesus, would they go to heaven? Okay, so I, I want to bring clarity to to your question because there's different parts of it. You asked if somebody dies today, that if they're a good person, they believe in God or they believe in Jesus, will they go to heaven? There's one way that uh, salvation comes to us, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Faith in the finished work of the cross. Believing that he died for your sins and he rose again. That's what brings salvation to us. It's not in being a good person, um, because you can be a good person, but here's the thing, Deborah, none of us are good enough. And that's why Jesus came to die for our sins. He died for our sins because we're all guilty. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. 
and the wages of sin is death. So it isn't being a good person or even believing in God. It's somebody who says, well, I believe in God. But have you come to the cross? Have you come to Jesus Christ? Because Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So it's very um you know, simple statement to understand. He said, I am the. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say that he was a truth. He is the truth. He is the life. And Jesus, he would make those claims in the scriptures that, you know, if you don't believe that I am he, then you will die in your sins. And so Jesus is our salvation. There is none other. And faith in him is what brings salvation to us as we repent and turn to Jesus Christ and as we surrender our lives to him as personal Lord and Savior, believing he rose from the grave. And none of us can be good enough. None of us can do enough good works to make it to heaven. We all fall fall short. And those who say, well, I believe in God, there's only one way to the Father. And Jesus said that I am the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we see those claims that if you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son, is what Jesus said. Does that help out? It does. And so the next question is, um, so prayers, when you're praying, you pray to Jesus, correct? What we have in model, and and, and you can pray to Jesus. I, I mean, I've called out... You know, Lord, you know, Jesus, please help me. But usually what we see in the model is they came and they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father. And he would give that that um, model of prayer there in the Gospels on the Sermon on the Mount. And that was an amazing thing, Deborah, when Jesus said, pray our Father, because before that time, the religious leaders, they never even dare utter the name of God. They reverence it so much that they they spelled it Y-H-W-H, uh, Yahweh, to, where it was unpronounceable. Uh, whenever the scribes would uh, come to the name of the Lord, L-O-R-D, capitalized, they would put down their pen, they would go and do these washings. They reverenced the name so much, and here comes Jesus, and he starts talking about my father, and then he says that when you pray, our father, and our father speaks of relationship. So it's usually that the model for prayer is that you pray to the Father in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just guiding us and directing us. But if you pray you know, to Jesus, you know, he hears that. And, and there's been times where I prayed, you know, Holy Spirit, please fill me. But but the general um, pattern is praying to the Father in the name of Jesus, um, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. Now, so I've all so all my prayers have always been to 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 God, and somewhere along while listening, I I got the understanding or maybe the un- misunderstanding to pray to Jesus. So it's to God. Through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, to the Father. And keep in mind, Deborah, there's only one God. There's only yes. one God. And and he's our Father. And 
it's important for us to understand Romans chapter 8 says that, that you have the spirit of adoption where you can cry out, Abba, Father. That's such a powerful verse. Um, you don't have the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption. We cry out, Abba, Father, which literally means Papa. That we can, we who believe in Jesus Christ are the only ones that can truly cry out, Abba, Father. Papa, because we have relationship, and that relationship comes through Jesus. So, you know, it's like, Father, you know, you're my Father. Um, Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus, and asking the Spirit to just help us and guide us and direct us as we're praying, because sometimes we pray, we don't know what to pray. Uh, Romans chapter 8 talks about that as well. All right, so now... Do people, when they die, do they go to heaven? Yes. Second Corinthians chapter 5, those who are believers in Jesus Christ, Paul, he's talking about the resurrection. Then he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we have the promise that when we take our last breath and when we close our eyes, that we go home to be with Jesus. And that's a promise of Scripture. Okay? Okay. Well, thank you for that. um... You bet. You bet, Deborah. Keep studying. Keep reading your Bible, okay? And you call when you got more questions, all right? I will. All right. Bless you, Deborah. Thank you so much for calling. Hey, let me look at the call screen. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. If you want to be on the air and we have some time, and um, let's go to Pat in Greeley. Hi, Pat. Hey, Pastor. How are you doing today? Good. How are you been? I've been great. Uh, Super. Pastor, I, I'm curious about something. Um, and shamefully, I've never really dug into it myself. But can you give me a, like a 10,000-foot view of this 70th week in Daniel, like what initiates it, what is its significance, what does it bring uh, about? Just a a high overview so I have some kind of feeling for it. Yeah, and really, I think, Pat, it's really important for Christians to understand it's one of the most amazing prophecies in all of Scripture. I think it's very important for us to understand these last four verses of Daniel chapter 9 and the timeline, because if you don't understand it and don't understand the 70 weeks of Daniel, then you're going to get all goofed up and mixed up in your end time prophecy. So Daniel, you know, he's praying for the 70 years are just about over. You know, he's praying for the nation and Gabriel comes along and says, Daniel, I've come to give you understanding, not about 70 years, but about 70 weeks or for the sake of our listeners, that word weeks in the Old Testament, speaks of a period of 70 or seven years. So he says, 70 weeks are determined for your people. And who was Daniel's people? This is important. It was the Jews, right? And for your holy city, that is Jerusalem. So the prophecy concerns the Jews in Jerusalem. That's important, Pat, to understand, because there are those who come along and say, well, the 70th week of Daniel, that is a prophecy for the church. It's not a prophecy for the church. He says, for your people, Daniel, that's the Jews, and for your holy city. Your holy city is Jerusalem. It's not Rome. It's not Salt Lake City. 
So he says 70 weeks are going to be determined. He goes on, and I won't walk through all the prophecy, but he says that 69 periods of seven years are going to pass from the time that the command comes out to rebuild and restore Jerusalem until coming of Messiah the Prince. They've done some calculating. We go to Nehemiah chapter 2. In Nehemiah chapter 2, it tells us that the decree was given for by the king for Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. It happened in, in you know, a certain year in the first day of Nisan, uh, the 20th year of Artaxerxes, I believe, when you read Nehemiah chapter 2. Well, they calculated it to where it was on March 14, 445 B.C., the command came out. So you can count, you know, 69 periods of seven years or you know, 400 and, um, you know, 83 years. Um, You can count 173,880 days using a 360-day calendar. And, Pat, you know what you come to? You come to April 6, 32 A.D. What happened on April 6, 32 A.D.? Jesus gets on a donkey. He rides down the Mount of Olives. He comes into Jerusalem. The religious leaders are saying, tell your disciples to quit crying out this messianic psalm. And Jesus said what? That if they were quiet, the very rocks will cry out. He wept over Jerusalem. He said, you should have known the day of your visitation, because this is the day prophesied by Daniel chapter 9. So that's 69 weeks, and then Messiah is going to be cut off. Then there's still a seven-year period, right? There's the 70th week of Daniel. And the 70th week of Daniel begins when the Antichrist, he, we know that is the Antichrist that comes out of Rome because we get that from verse 26, that a people, the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Who destroyed the city and the sanctuary? It was the Romans. It wasn't the Babylonians because the, when Daniel's receiving this prophecy, Babylon had already destroyed Jerusalem. So it's the Romans. So this Antichrist that comes out of of this revived Roman Empire, that he's going to confirm a covenant with Israel for one week. That starts the 70th week of Daniel, or what is called the Tribulation Period. And so that is spoken of, of Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Chapter 6, the first seal that is opened up, that begins the Tribulation Period, is the rider on the white horse, who is the Antichrist. So the tribulation period does not begin with the rapture of the church. It begins with the Antichrist confirming a covenant with Israel for a seven-year period. Halfway in that seven-year period, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. That's when, as Paul talks about, in chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, he goes into the rebuilt temple to proclaim himself as God, to be, um, you know, worship as God. He will tell the world to worship him, that he is God, and then he will persecute anyone who does not make their allegiance to him. So that's all taking place in Daniel's 70th week, that final seven-year period right prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. What What is the time frame from the rapture to when that begins? It could be good, months, years? That's, it's a good question. 
because some think that the rapture is going to happen and then the next day is going to be the start of the tribulation period. There's probably going to be a period of time. We don't know what that period of time is going to be, but there's going to be a little bit of gap of time. Probably most Bible scholars of end-time prophecy suggest that it will happen quickly, the Antichrist will come on the scene, because Second Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that, um, that that which restrains will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. I believe that's a reference to the church. The mystery of lawlessness, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. Then lawlessness is going to abound according to the working of Satan and all power. So can you imagine a world where there's no Christians, Pat, that we're no, gone? We, we see the lawlessness now that's abounding in our cities and stuff, and it concerns us, but it is nothing compared to what's going to happen when the church— which we are a restraining factor. And I hope that as Christians we realize that we are a restraining factor in being a light in the darkness through prayer and standing for righteousness. But when that is gone, then man, lawlessness will abound and the Antichrist probably is going to come on the scene very quickly. That's unbelievable. Thank you. You cleared it up a whole bunch for me. I've read... Tried to read Daniel a couple of times. I find that book harder than Revelation, believe it or yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in Daniel. I'm teaching a Calvary Bible Institute class to Bible students in Peru through the book of Daniel. So not only teaching through the technical part, we're starting the prophecies, but then the translation and all of that. So it's a real challenge, but it's an incredible book. Well, thank you so much. You 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 cleared it up a good deal for me. At least I have something to grab onto now, and I'm going to try to attack it again. Uh, it it okay. is amazing, and how how people can't see this. As you know, I, I was told uh, by a Calvary uh, pastor on one of the sermons, um, you got to get Jesus right. If you get Jesus wrong, every other right decision in your life means nothing yep yep you got to know the scriptures you got to know the jesus so hey thanks pat appreciate it good to hear from you take care have a blessed day you too bye-bye let's go to luke and Greeley. he's been holding for a while luke hi how are you i'm good thank you how are you good you're on calvary live all right i called in earlier this week maybe you could pray for me and my Fiance, we were having some troubles. I don't know if you remember me or not. And, okay, uh, you yeah. Know, we've been talking about it, and, you know, I really believe that he wants me to forgive, and I, I, I think she deserves it, so that's what I want to do. But today I wanted to pray for the people that are trying to separate us, and, you know, the, I guess uh, uh, scriptures that comes to my mind all the time is Timothy 2, chapter 3, where, you know, we're in the end of days, and uh, the wicked yeah. sneak into the houses and take the vulnerable, and I, I feel like... You know, I, I read a lot of that, and I'm trying my hardest to forgive and bite my tongue on some things. That I, it's really hard. Sometimes I want to say some mean things, and sometimes yeah. I do. And I just got to really, really, really concentrate on what God wants me to yeah. do. So, Luke, today Luke, I want to my... pray for you. We're going to pray for you, Luke. And but I do want to give you some advice from 
um, just a little bit for you to uh, advice for you to pray through, and maybe you're doing this already, not knowing your circumstances. But I think it'd be good for you and your fiance to really get some counsel from godly counsel from a pastor from your church if you go to church to really kind of talk about these issues and look at God's word. Um, really, really important for you to do that, um, and 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 to be able to talk through these things, and because you want that. And I know for um, those who get married here at Calvary Greeley, we take them through counseling to talk through those issues, and it's going to be critical for you to have that, uh, to be able to talk about family, to be able to talk about your responsibilities, your role as a husband, and your fiance as a wife, and all how you communicate and and finances and and all of that um, communication and uh, purity in your marriage and honoring God in your marriage. So I just want to give you that encourage. Get some premarital counseling from a godly pastor, from a godly perspective, looking at God's word. So Father, I just pray for Luke. I just pray that you would, Lord, just uh, be with him as he's navigating through all this as. Um, you know, I don't know his situation, but you do. And I just pray that he would seek your wisdom, but seek godly counsel as well with him and his fiance. And there's seems to be some disagreement in the family, but Lord, I pray that you bring clarity, that you would bring understanding to them. And Lord, as they're looking to move forward, to have a life together, because it's so important that uh, they take the time to do that, to look at your word, looking at the role of a husband, just just help Luke to do that, and his fiance, the role as a wife. And Lord, just having a good, biblical, solid, godly ground to begin their life. And Lord, that um, I just pray that you uh, would just work in this situation uh, in, in a wonderful way, in, in uh, bringing them direction and peace in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Luke, go and be praying, man. Thank you. You bet. Absolutely. You know, one of the things is marriage is, you know, the second most important decision that you ever make in your life. And um, it's more important than what house you buy, what, you know, where you're going to live, because you're making the decision, particularly if you're young, for the next 40, 50, 60 years of your life. If if you live to be, you know, uh, you know of uh, elderly age. And it's so critical that those of you who are desiring to get married, that you go through premarital counseling from a godly pastor who's going to take you through the scriptures to talk about expectations, your roles as a husband and wife, uh, to be able to talk about those issues because we all have issues, and to be able to uh, talk about communication and how you deal with disagreements, how you deal with your finances. All those things are critical today. Because it's hard, and we've seen during this pandemic that the divorce rate has increased, and so we want to be available. Um, we want to, you know, be able to help people in that. Real quick call. We only got a couple minutes. Let's go to Gary in East Tennessee. Hey, Gary. Yeah. How you doing? I'm, I'm Good. Just had a quick, quick, quick question about. Uh, Speaking in tongues. Uh, I have some people that I know that say that speaking in tongues is okay, and other people are saying, "Oh, it's of the devil." And well, the Bible plainly <laughs> says that it's you know that yeah. I speak in tongues more than y'all. You know, and, right? Uh, but, yeah, so, and 
I believe, and we, we, we only got a couple minutes, so I don't mean to rush the, the answer, but that I believe in the gifts of their spirits are for today, which includes speaking in tongues. So you can read that section um, in chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. But we know that he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. And um, so it gives us the definition of speaking in tongue, that it's praise and adoration to God. Uh, is he who speaks in a tongue, uh, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 4, speaks edification um, and uh, comfort and um, to God and is speaking to God. And you see what's interesting, Gary, in every example, like in the book of Acts, when they were speaking in tongues, they were speaking, like on the day of Pentecost, the wonderful praises of God. So there is um, that which, you know, speaks edification, comfort, praise, um, and that's what, um, you know, speaking in tongue does. And it is a gift. Here's the other thing that doesn't edify others, it edifies oneself. Now, uh, there can be tongues where it is spoken to where there's an interpretation in a corporate meeting, and again, it is going to be praises to God, and it is men speaking to God, and that can bring edification to others. But it's it's a gift that edifies the individual that's speaking in tongues. So, hey, Gary, good to hear from you guys from Tennessee. God bless you. Thank you, everybody who's called in today. Had a great show. Had so much more I'd like to say, but we're out of town, uh, out of out of time. So you have a good evening. I'll be back with you tomorrow at the same time. God bless you. Stay close to the Lord. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.